Scout with Brian podcast, the one and only Ben Standig, who is a staff writer for The Athletic, Washington, D.C., covering the Washington Redskins and the Washington Wizards. We'll talk mostly Wizards today, obviously. He's been in the area covering all the local teams for a long time. Ben, thank you very much for joining me today. How are you? Uh, Brian, I am uh, doing well, man. Thank you uh, for having me on. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I know. Let's kick off with. I know you were at the uh, Wizards preseason opener uh, last night. What were your main takeaways uh, from their perspective, and uh, you know, what did you think of their the first look? I mean, I think the big, you know, it's you know, there are always like the little things you can sort of look to, and some of them are not little. You know, Rory Hodgson is obviously going to be a big storyline all season, and um, you know, his his growth, his development, and I think you already saw some things happening there that, that, that show, you know, he, he's making some strides even since uh, Gonzaga and, and obviously Bradley Beal and and so on. But, like, I think the biggest takeaway for me is that, like, you know, this team is just so radically different from from what it was just, you know, last year and, and the team that I know, like, everybody's sort of, sort of you know, crapping on the Wizards. It's understandable. They're not going to be very good from a win-loss perspective. But, like, everything is just different other than Bradley Beal you know, John Walsh hurt. It just looks so different. And, uh, you know, I don't know how this team is going to score a lot. I don't know how this team is going to stop people from scoring. It's going to be an interesting year, but at the same point, um, it's different. And different is interesting, even if the win from a win-loss perspective, this team's not going to be too interesting. So it, it, just sort of watching them, having watched them for years, and kind of felt like I had a really good grasp on this team. Now it's like, oh, I don't know much about Dobby's Bertans or, oh, Ish Smith is here or, you know, Admiral Schofield has joined the league. And it's a really interesting sort of just to get the first look and, and watch the new pieces and kind of figure out what's going on here. For sure. I'll tell you one thing. Bertans is, uh, he's not bashful. He, uh, he likes to shoot the ball. I, I, I was impressed with, uh, man, I mean, you knew he's a shooter, but, uh, he really got going at times last night. Uh, I, I know the one silly thing from last night, obviously was the Marcus Morris, Justin Anderson thing from from your perspective or anything you heard post game did uh, I'm just curious was there any explanation for what exactly Justin Anderson did and uh, if he did anything to deserve uh, being bopped in the head? I, I don't think so. I, I, I'll be honest. I missed Justin Anderson's. I don't even know if he technically had a scrum, but I, I didn't hear if he what 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 he said post game. And you know we've been on the other end of the Morris brothers uh, for the last few years with with Mark Heath here and. Um, when I, when I, um, I'd missed the play originally live and I saw the replay and just like, oh yeah, this easily could have just been, you know, switched the jersey, put Markeith out there instead of Marcus. And yes, I would have been like, oh sure, that, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> the Morris brothers are living in their own, in their own universe at, at times. And it's funny because I remember, uh, I, I think it was, well, at time flies. I think it was last year. You know, the, the Wizards talked a lot going into last season about how they needed to stop talking as like a team in terms of like chirping on the court and you know pumping their chest kind of thing. They just needed to focus on basketball. And like, I think mean, the very first preseason game, they had two technical fouls. One was Marquise. I think he got tossed, 
I want I want to say I got to double check on that, but uh, yeah. So sort of business as usual for the Morris twins. I don't think too much of it. And if anything, you know, kudos to Justin Anderson for keeping this cool because you know he's obviously got to be. You know, he's one of those guys who's trying to figure it out how to stay in the NBA, try to make this Wizards team. And um, you know, you can imagine he's sort of you know overly uh, excited just to sort of you know, do whatever he can. So good kudos to him for sort of staying calm in the moment and not letting uh, not letting it escalate. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned uh, Rui, obviously, is, is the big-ticket name this season. Uh, I, I know you've been caught up a lot in the uh, the Redskins stuff and the, the coach firing the last week, but uh, what are you hearing? What what they say about camp? Uh, what's the general feel on just how good uh, Rui Hachimura can be? Well, you know, obviously, at this time of year, no matter what team, you know, you're, we're talking about, everybody's optimistic. You know, whether you're talking about the Clippers, the Lakers, um, the, the Sixers, the teams at the top who legitimately have a shot at the title, or you're talking about the teams who are, you know, at the bottom trying to figure something out. Everybody kind of feels good about themselves right now. All the new picks are, are making a lot of strides and all that. So the Wizards are no exception on that front, which isn't to say that Hachimura isn't doing some good things. It's just that, obviously, you know, Hey, they just drafted him. There's no reason to doubt anything yet, and uh, you know I think they're they're pleasant. They're, I think they're happy with what's going on. Uh, Tommy Shepard, the, the, obviously the Wizards GM, big proponent of Hachimura. That goes you know without saying because he drafted him, but like you can kind of see this, hear the sincerity in his voice that this is a guy he's been sort of paying attention to for some time, and that he really believes that this kid. You know, when you look at Hachimura physically, athletically, it's you know it, it, it seems pretty clear he belongs. In the NBA, I think the question is ultimately going to be: He's not a, the most experienced player relative to being a, a college a junior. You know, coming from Japan, he didn't grow up playing it the way you know American players tend to do it from you know from a young age. And uh, Tommy Shepard's made it very clear early on that um, that, that, that Hachimura has you know he's a little behind the curve with some of the other guys. And to keep that in mind when we're watching him, and that's important for me, and I'd actually be curious what you think as a guy who actually, you know, watches tape. When I watch some of his, uh, I think ESPN, like they, they do every year, they put together like these draft, like 10-minute draft videos, pros and cons of players. Mm-hmm. For Hachimura, I was a little concerned because his court recognition seemed to be a bit off, and I'm always one who doesn't, who questions whether instincts can be learned, um, you know, that somebody, somebody has. But then I remember, oh, wait, he, um, he didn't play a lot growing up so maybe he's just a little behind and I did see a couple plays yesterday very minor stuff and he would like, get the ball on the wing drive towards the basket the tape I saw at Gonzaga showed a guy who would drive to the basket and even as the defenders converged he would just sort of keep his head down and just go up and you know hopefully make a make a good play but maybe not last night he twice that I noticed would drive then when the defenders converged he would kick the ball back out to a shooter and that, to me, indicated a good sign of a guy who's getting some better recognition of what's going on on the court. A minor point, but just one that, you know, for a guy who doesn't have the same experience as some of the other kids you know, in his class, seemed to be an indication that he's developing both the mental and the physical part. And, you know, I think the Wizards, to this point, have been, uh, have been happy. Yeah, I uh, I was really impressed uh, with what I saw from him last night. It was It was interesting. I know being there, you probably didn't hear this, but uh, on the broadcast, Drew Gooden was throwing around that Scottie Pippen name a lot. Um, I know I, I've I've used uh, Giannis's name with with Rui, which I know uh, you know draws some eyeballs. But uh, you know, I, I think he uh, the college game is a little more. Uh, 
crowded than the NBA game. Uh, I think one thing he might benefit from is, you know, in the NBA, the floor is always spaced. You've got shooters in the corners. You've got, you know, sometimes both shooters at the slot. So you have so much more room to operate. And I, I think, you know, he can be really good as a four man who can kind of take his, his man off the dribble a lot, who can make his mid-range shot, who, you know, made a three last night, play a little bit in the in the Siakam-type mold uh, for now. But, yeah, I, I was really impressed with him. Um you know, switching gears, uh, Bradley Beal obviously is the kind of billion-dollar question going forward for the Wizards. I know you've had a lot of, you know, different opinions on what's going on exactly with him, but what do you think is the most likely uh, future uh, for Bradley Beal, and is it going to be in D.C.? Well, it's a great question, and I think ultimately it's going to come down to I mean, look, there's always the possibility some team comes in with a ridiculous offer, you know, like the, you know, the haul that the Pelicans got for Anthony Davis or, or you know, I'm not even going to mention the, the Paul George trade. That was you know, insane. But, you know, it's always possible some team comes in and just gives the Wizards an offer that just blows their mind because this is not considered to be a, a, a particularly good phrasing class this summer. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of teams in contention and Bradley Beal's going to be a player you know, Bradley Beal, Kevin Love are probably two guys on bad teams that you can imagine that somebody thinks wants wants to uh, would want to get. Um, but that said, what does it come down to? I think from the Wizards' perspective, they'd love to figure out how to keep him. I don't think I know a lot of people out there saying trade him, trade him, trade him, get future assets, all that fun stuff. I get it, but like I think from their perspective, and I don't think it's wrong. Bradley Beal's a young player; he's an ascending player. He's the type of guy. I'm not saying he's the guy you want to be the number one player on a contending team, but he is the type of player, and especially in terms of his attitude and, and and you know you've been around him, his his attitude, his presence, his smarts, his work ethic that you want other players to emulate. I think this is like the kind of guy you want to build around from that perspective, and I think they would love to figure out how to keep him. I think the question becomes, does Bradley Beal at some point coming off? Last season, which was obviously a, a down year for the Wizards, coming off the year before where they where they uh, underachieved, even though they made the playoffs of the seed, they underachieved. If he's got two years left on his deal, this is the prime of his career. It, he knows, I think, rationally where things are going this year from a win loss perspective. But does he believe that the Wizards now having made a bunch of changes with the organization in the off season, obviously the you know going from Ernie Grunfeld to Tommy Shepard, but then even beyond that, changing. You know the, the the infrastructure a bit uh, with, with how things are going. They add a lot more people in the front office. It seems like they're trying to do things a bit differently um, in, in other ways. So you put all that together. Does Bradley Beal see a future here? If he does, and obviously John Wall be back next year and, and so on. But if he does, then okay, that then, then, then maybe they can figure something out. But if he at some point says, "Look, guys, I just you know I, I need to get I need to get myself in a position to." have some you know, playoff hope here and to say, okay, look, what can we do? And then, then maybe the Wizards have no choice and start looking around. But I think I, from the Wizards' perspective, they would love to keep him long-term. I think it's just a matter from his perspective, does he buy into what they're selling in terms of they can turn this thing around and do so fairly quickly. From Brad's perspective of uh, buying in, obviously the, the financial component will be a big one too. What, what is the smartest thing for him to do uh, you know, cap-wise, whether it's with the Wizards or, you know, in eventually getting a trade, um, you know, it doesn't seem like he's super willing to entertain an extension or anything right now, but what do you think it looks like going down the road for him uh, financially? I mean, like he, like, 
I'm sure there'll be a national narrative. You know, eventually he's not going to take this extension. I, I can't comprehend, and it'll be a national perspective of, oh, see, he wants out of the Wizards or whatever. From a from a straight up just financial sense, there's no reason for him to take this deal. Truthfully, it obviously the money is it's like it's like three years, 111 million dollar extension, and obviously anybody listening to this is going, really, you're going to turn that down? But, you know, he came within one place last year of making the All-NBA team. Kemba Walker was the final guard, and Brad was, you know, like the 16th player to receive the most votes um, last year. So, I, you know, it's going to be a challenge to get All-NBA playing on a team that may win 25 games. But he was close last year, and then only won 30, so I guess it's, you know, not, not crazy. But even beyond that, the money will be there. I mean, we sort of see how the NBA is going these days. Even guys coming off injury of note are getting – Significant, you know, significant contract. And Bradley Beal has put himself in a position to be, you know, whatever we can quibble as the top twenty or you know where exactly is the line. But he's one of those guys who, who, who's way up there now in terms of the perception of the league. Everybody in the league loves Bradley Beal because it's not just that he's a talent; he can play on any team. And again, a, a, you know, love your take as the as the scout guy, but like he, because he's not a ball dominant player, because he can shoot, because he's smart. Uh, he can really seamlessly on any on any team. You know, not to contrast it with John Wall, but even if it was healthy, forget the forget John Wall's contract, forget his his Achilles and all that. It's, it would be a challenge for for other teams to put John Wall into their situation. He's got to be an, he's an on ball point guard. If you if you already have, he can't play with a Kyrie Irving or or, or a Kemba Walker or, or Dane Miller. Bradley Beal could go to all kinds of places even if they had a player similar to him and make it work. So he'll have tons of interest whenever he's able, if he ever gets to free agency. And so he, you know, he can kind of play this out and, and see, but obviously, you know, there's some comfort you get to the last year of your deal, which will be for him going into 2020, you know, the, what does he want to do? You know, I think at that point, um, you know, we'll have to see what happens, but, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think he's not going to take this extension and he'll wait, and he'll either get the same offer the following season, or like I said, if he forces a deal, then you know he can probably get a bigger one from uh, from another team. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think uh, yeah, Brad's skill set absolutely fits with pretty much every team in the league, and uh, you know you can imagine him becoming a huge trade asset, uh, especially if you know the Lakers or some of these teams aren't as good as uh, as some of the pundits think. But uh, I, I do think you know it'll be good for Brad also having to kind of be a, a creator this season and like he did last season you know I think he's getting to play with the ball in his hands a lot more and really grow his game that way I saw Scott Brooks said he could average uh seven assists or something uh this season that you know I think those things are going to help Brad a lot uh long term so definitely with you there on, in terms of his fit pretty much every team uh you mentioned John Wall um obviously expected to see the floor again at the start of uh next season um you know, from a physical standpoint, you see him on the broadcast. He, he looks good. Looks like he's in good shape. You hear the team talk about him. Seems like he's been really locked in and, and doing everything he's supposed to do. Um, have you got to spend any time around John or talk to him any? Or just what's kind of been your take on the, the rehab process and, uh, you know, what you think he may look like, um, you know, when he does return? Well, uh, you know, you know, it seems like everything's progressing. And I, I saw the other day when we were at um, uh, the Wizards practice, and while the team was going to do it, you know, full five on five on the court, the Wizards uh, part of their gym is right there off the court, and you can see John Wall running on a treadmill with, with a trainer right there. 
and uh, you know, that, that in of itself, I mean, seems like a pretty good, pretty good uh, sign for sure. Uh, you know, the original timeline, he got hurt, or he went to have surgery in February, and they said, you know, 12 months, you know, give or take, could be a little bit less, could be a little bit more, but 12 months ballpark. To, but, you know, if we're playing realistic, there's a, a reason the Wizards should probably just let him go, you know, not, 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 play, uh, not play this season. So the 12 months would be February, right? We're only in October, so there's a, a ways to go. And it, therefore, if he's running now, it seems like he's making good strides. But that said, in terms of like what, what to expect from him going forward, I honestly would have no idea. Because for him in particular, and this, was my, this has been my fear with him throughout his career, is that he's a great player, all-star player, five-time all-star. Obviously, you know, when the Wizards have been at their best this decade, it's been when he was at his best. And, and and that's, you know, not a coincidence, but he's, you know, his game is predicated on speed. And I've always wondered what happens when he stops running a 4-3-40? What happens when it's now a 4-5-40, a 4-6-40? Wasn't necessarily thinking injury, but obviously he's had injuries, but, you know, just age and wear and tear. Well, that's the big question. What, what, is, he, what is he able to do? Can he still blow it by the guys off the dribble and get into the lane whenever he wants? If he can, well, that's great for him. That's great for the Wizards and the, you know all that. But if he can't, which isn't to say like you know he would never be able to get by. But if he's not able to get by as often as he did, well, then what? Because the jump shot is still erratic at best. So it, it, you know, three point three point percentage has never been that great outside of a, a stretch here or there. And so that becomes the interesting part. What what player is he if he doesn't have that blinding speed to get to get by guys? Um, you know, players who develop their shot, but just to this point, he hasn't. Where anybody would say, "Oh, we have to defend John Wall to three. They'd be more than happy for him to just settle for for jumpers. And if he can't get by guys with the regularity he has before, then it becomes interesting. What is he? So uh, I'm not ready to like sort of speculate what he will be uh, because of the type of injury and the type of player he is. And, and that's obviously a huge question for the Wizards going forward. Uh, you know on top of the fact that he's got this huge contract that will be hard to move. It's hard to move because of the injury, even if they wanted to trade him. But now, once he comes back, you know, what is he? That, 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 that becomes super interesting. For sure. Uh, is Scott Brooks, if this team gets off to a, a miserable start again, do you think he's uh, on the hot seat at all, or is his job uh, pretty safe going forward uh, with the long, as the head coach in the long term? Sure. I mean, he originally signed a five-year, $35 million contract. He's got two – this is – starting with this year, he has two years left. Uh, this owner has not shown the inclination to, you know, cut bait with salary of that of that, uh, that level uh, willy-nilly. So I suspect he's fine through this, through this season. And then beyond that, we'll have to see. There's also a new, a new sheriff in town, as it were, with, with Tommy Shepard and, and others in the front office. It's no longer Ernie Grunfeld. So, you know, we'll have to see how his, you know, Tommy Shepard has shown that uh, he's not the same guy as, as Ernie Grunfeld. So we'll have to see how that, how that shakes out. Um, it'll be interesting. Uh, look, I, I have been frustrated as a consumer, somebody covering this team, watching a Scott Brooks coach team the last couple of years. I, I never, ever, ever think that I know more than these guys when it comes to X's and O's or just getting a basketball team ready and things like that. But there are some basic things over the years, rotation, uh, uh, lineups, the way he talks about the team that I just, I don't, I just don't get it. And, you know, I think you could see some of that frustration with guys like Thomas Sadoransky 
when he was here and, and the kind of reason why he left and he's not alone. And and this is a you know, like I said at the top, this Wizards team is so different. So you kinda of have to give everything sort of start from scratch, give everybody benefit of that. What can you do with this group? Now for him, it's not gonna come down to wins and losses, I'd imagine. It's gonna come down to you know, effort. Is this team the scrappy, try hard team? That is no, you know, even the contenders are like, oh god, we're gonna have to run around dealing with these kids all night. That's not fun. If he gets them into that kind of a team, then then it'll be, you know, a good season, I think. But if it's just sort of a lot of the sort of the same odd choices he makes from a lineup rotation standpoint and and uh, some other choices, then you know, I, I I would question what what happens. But again, he's got two years left, and you know, with the Wizards not having a ton of expectations. This year and probably next, you really want to pay for for two head coaches, i.e., letting him go and then hire somebody else. I, I don't know if they're, if they're going to want to do that from an organization standpoint. So he might be safe, but after this year, yeah, obviously, I think the questions start to, to come into play a bit more. Yeah, as you mentioned, obviously, they they fire Andy Grunfeld this offseason, promote his longtime assistant GM in Tommy Shepard, who's worked really hard this offseason to to prove, like you said, that he's a different man and has a different. Outlook, uh, you know, accumulated a lot of draft picks, future assets, young players, cleared the books a little bit. Um, how long, in your opinion, does does Tommy have to, to turn this around? Uh, I, I, actually, I, I should have, I guess, Googled this before we started, talk, started talking, but have they made anything public about what kind of contract he's given or, you know, what, what they see uh, in terms of his timeline to turn things around? Well, um so on the one hand, I don't believe he was given, you know, he wasn't given a huge deal, both in terms of years and, and salary, as far as I know. And, you know, I, I think, look, the, the, the Wizards had an incredibly weird off-season process to find Grunfeld's replacement. It went on for several months. Uh, and, you know, the, they, the, you know, they made some, you know, big swings to, to get to go for Tim Connolly. That that didn't work. I, I reported, as did others, that they were going to make a big play for Masai Kiri for a few reasons. That that ultimately, I think, among them, Toronto winning the title. Uh, you know, uh, I think that came up short, and then ultimately they circled back to a guy who'd been in the building. So it's weird when the Wizards talk about all this change, and I just mentioned some of it as well. But a lot of the change is just they they, they move piece people, internal people around. The thing is though that I think Tommy Shepard does have a different vision than Ernie Grunfeld. And he's already showing that he's modernized this team in many ways from a, a organizational flowchart standpoint, scouting standpoint, what they're looking for in terms of, in terms of players, and so on. So I think Tommy Shepard, I like what he's done so far. Uh, you know, he didn't have a ton to work with, and I think with what he literally had, I think he did a useful job in terms of uh, adding players and getting people to, to, to come on board, the organization in different roles. Um and so again, I don't, I don't think it's like, well, they have to make the playoffs in three years or he's out. I think he just needs to keep showing that things are headed in the right direction. But there's a lot of big choices on deck. We just talked about Bradley Beal. What do you do with with, with John Wall at some point? You know, I mean, he's going to be judged on, on Hachimura, his real first pick. Another lottery pick is probably coming next year. Uh, you know, what do you do this off season? You know, can, can they can they put themselves in a position to start getting players? I mean, you know, you know this organization. They have rarely, rarely attracted any notable free agents over time, even when they've been a good team, even though D.C. is considered to be a place where a lot of people like to be and live and such. So can Tommy Shepard create a mood and atmosphere that is, gets people more interested? 
everybody around the league loves this guy. Tommy Shepard has big fans all over the league. Maybe that translates to people wanting to uh, to, to to come there to agents wanting to send their players here. That's a big question. I think that probably goes a long way towards how long he has. But I, I, you know, he's got a couple years out of at least. I think to to, to put his imprint on this, he's already started that. And you know, I think you know, I, I imagine Ted Leonsis will be happy with it. But at some point, obviously, you have to start winning games. The question is, do, you know, does you know, is he is Ted cool with the owner cool with you know, twenty five wins this year, twenty twenty eight next year, or does he want to bounce back, you know, quicker than that? Ben, let's finish real quick with I'll do two quick hitters for you. You can just give me a quick answer, first thing that comes to mind, and then I'll let you get out of here. Let's go. Uh, who starts at the three this season? Oh, my Lord. Uh, <laughs> well, that, that's it. So one thing the Wizards have had already is a ton of injuries. Uh, the, the, the preseason game last night, they had not, well, I guess there's a three here, so, but not playing. Like Isaiah Thomas not playing. Uh, Troy Brown not playing. He's a three-man option. C.J. Miles not playing. Another three-man option. Jan Mahimi, uh, backup center, and so on. The, 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 the small forward in particular, if they, I mean, last night they had out, I think, there would be their starting lineup for game one. That included Justin Anderson, who is a camp invitee who may not even make the team. The Wizards basically have like 13 guys on guaranteed deals, and they've got like, like four or five guys legitimately battling for two spots. Anderson is kind of one of them, but if Troy Brown's out a month, which means he may not return until right when the season starts, and C.J. Miles, I don't know if we really have a timeline yet on when he comes back. So it could be C.J. Anderson if we're – I'm going to C.J. Anderson. It's my NFL brain. It could be Justin Anderson uh, if they actually started the season today, which they don't. I would guess Troy Brown probably leans in there. But the one wonder, I guess, once they get everybody healthy, because Brian would just be – if you if they're intending on starting Hachimura at the four, which I assume they are, but we'll see. Do you want Troy Brown, a twenty year old second year player, next to him, or do you want a guy like CJ Miles who brings you that veteran presence, you know, a, a three and D type guy when healthy, you know, and then have Troy Brown sort of help anchor the second unit? I, I think the three spot is probably the most confusing one on the team right now, just from that dynamic and the injuries, but. I mean, Troy Brown is the one to watch. Ultimately, they they need him to be to show that he can be a viable rotation player in this league, and then maybe beyond that. Last year, he didn't get a ton of minutes. You have to imagine somebody in that place tells Scott Brooks, "You have to play this kid this year, no matter what." So, whether he starts or not, Troy Brown's the guy to watch at that spot. Final one, I'll hit you with. I know you know Wizards fans. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of positive buzz about everybody at this time in the preseason. But uh, of those development guys, Troy Brown, you know Justin Robinson, Jamario Jones, Mo Wagner. Give me one guy that really sticks out to you that you're hearing maybe the most about that could be uh, kind of a sleeper that you know could make a big impact this season. Well, I don't know how much of a sleeper he is, but you know Mo Wagner. Uh, you know, he was the first round pick by the Lakers after helping Michigan make the uh, the national title game. But he kind of, you know, washed out with L.A. last year in his first season. You know, obviously the Lakers were on a different trajectory than the Wizards. Um, Wagner's defense leaves a lot to be desired. But the Wizards were big fans of him coming out of the draft. They worked him out twice, including a private workout before that uh, 2018 draft. You know, I don't know. I don't know how high he was on their list. Of whether they would have taken him at fifteen, like they did Troy Brown, but they were big fans. And look, the guy can shoot. He's six eleven, and he'll get he'll get plenty of opportunity to play essentially as the backup five to Thomas Bryant, uh, another young player on this team. 
So I'm I, I'm intrigued. And I think they are too. What you know? What is Mo Wagner? Is their scouting report right that this kid was worthy of being a first round pick, or you know, it does he show what other people seem to think is a guy not really worthy? He wasn't worthy of that first round status and made struggles stay on the court defensively. But I, I think he's intriguing. All the guys that got in that Lakers trade, him, Isaac Bonga, Jamario Jones, if he makes the team, they're all lottery tickets, which is one of the things like I liked about what Tommy Shepard did this offseason. It only cost them some cash and a trade exception to get three guys who, you know, maybe can actually play for them, uh, you know, and, and give them some energy. And, and you know, they, they struggled with, with upside the last couple of years. So I, I think Wagner's interesting, but like, Basically, half this roster is like twelve-year-olds. <laughs> you know, twenty guys, twenty, twenty-three and under. And uh, you know, there's a lot of in- interest, but it's hard to say other than Hachimura which of them has any real starter potential. And that's what they need to find guys who can play real minutes for this team going forward when John Wall gets back and they have an actual core, you know, to, to move forward with. Great stuff, Ben. Really appreciate you taking the time today. I know nobody does a better job covering all of DC sports than you do. Um, I know everybody can find you on Twitter at Ben Standig, uh, at The Athletic. Anything else you're working on or that you'd like to, to plug or just uh, working, grinding away? Uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of grinding away. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, I'm doing a lot of stuff on the NFL side with the Redskins right now and the Wizards. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll be at all the games and uh, paying attention and, and all that. Uh, I'm still confident the Redskins are not making the playoffs this year. So, uh, you know, the Wizards will will, will, will come. And, uh, you know, like I said, it, it's interesting just to be able to watch this team really not knowing what to expect after years of, you know, kind of, you know, the same players. Um, and for better or for worse, now it's, well, we know that our probably not going to win a lot, but at least it's why, you know, it, it's, a, it's a blank slate. We'll see what happens. And that does make it kind of interesting. For sure. Ben, thank you again for your time today, and uh, thanks for coming on the Scout with Brian podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian.